0: Welcome to Embedded Edge with Knitting, a podcast that brings to life the stories behind today's embedded systems, technologies, and products. It's the show where you'll hear from both engineers and executives on some of the most topical news and most pressing challenges in the world of embedded system design. Here's your host, editor-in-chief of Embedded.com, Nitin Dahard.
1: Hello. Welcome to this edition of Embedded Edge with Knitting. In this episode, we talked to ADLINK Technology on bringing new high-performance computing capability into embedded applications. We also took a trip to the Millbrook Testing Ground near Bedford in the UK, in the heart of the country's so-called Motorsport Valley, to attend the Cenex Connected Automotive Mobility and Low Carbon Vehicle Conference. The show was certainly busy, with over 4,000 attendees expected in person, with a packed agenda covering vehicle and road connectivity solutions, electrification, sustainable technologies, and more, I've selected one of my interviews with the HMI, that's Human Machine Interface Designers, Conjure, for an all new electric concept car called Aura. Conjure talks about the development of the HMI based on an NXP, IMX8, and Android. Finally, we talked to the new CEO of NOcean, to talk about energy harvesting to enable battery-less sensors for IoT. So first, let's chat to Adlink link Technologies' Hank van Bramen to talk about the launch of its 80-core ARM-based COM HPC server-type module, which brings the Ampere Ultra systems on chips into the embedded systems market. Hank, uh, hello. Hello. Oh. So you have an announcement. Um, can you tell me uh, the essence of what uh, what you're announcing here with, um, with the new system?
2: Yeah, well, Adlink is going to release uh, pretty early in in, in the market uh, a COM SPC server module based on an uh, MPAIR SOC. Uh, okay. MPER SOC, uh, the MPR SOC is an ultra SOC. It's already being used in the, in cloud computing, and then now we we also push this in the into the embedded market.
1: Uh, and yes, and it, that's. Uh, I think you were you uh, suggesting that uh, this is the the first time that's it's uh, this kind of performance per watt is in uh, com HPC format. Is that right? The embedded market. Yeah. Well, we we saw saw a lot. Of,
2: I mean, there were something like three uh, research reports uh, on, online. Anantech, uh, on, on uh, if I'm I'm correct, uh, they all have been looking how these this process stacks up against uh, uh, Intel, of course, and and AMD. Um, Performance-wise, um, Ampere is able to reach the, 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 the high end of the of, of the Rome platform and and the Intel. Uh, I think it's Cascade Lake right now. The SF processors, but if you look at the uh, performance per watt, it's much much better. It's something like uh, thirty or forty percent better than AMD, and it's it might as well be something like fifty percent better better than than Intel. And that's that's a to- total cost of ownership thing, and that's very important to customers.
1: And the other, I think, aspect I think you were talking about is the software. So the obviously the partnerships on software, but also plugging into the ARM ecosystem. Just tell us a little yeah. bit about those.
2: Yeah. Well, this is not the only ARM design we're doing. Yet. So we, we know about the complexity of ARM. Um, ARM uh, problem with, with ARM, it's 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 not just like x86. You just download an uh a, a CD-ROM and, 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 and flash it into, into a system. Uh, mostly kernels are are maintained by the the silicon makers and and all these things are completely different. So that that is a big problem if you want to run standard standard uh, standard things like Ubuntu, uh, which which are very popular in the market. Now, Ampere has a system that is SPSA level four compliant, mm. and it is uh, now also system ready S S R. That that means it's running E D K two with U F I. And I can just install off-the-shelf ARM 64 ISOs on a system like that, so it's plug-and-play, just as we use from X86, without too much complexity.
1: Okay, and um, I think you have already um, shipped um, a number of these for uh, prototyping on the um, uh, ARM 64. Is that right?
2: Yes, we we we're working together with one big customer. Um, they, they were there from the, the start of this project and we have already been shipping 30 piece and i think another uh, forty or fifty piece uh, are in the, are in the pipeline uh to to the general public um i mean the general public for um, we we are shipping some systems uh, to selected customers and we expect that uh, probably by the end of November we will be able to handle uh, online sales for uh, for the product platform
1: and I, I think you said for software development uh, so the first one, uh, that's available for for this uh, for this um, high level architecture.
2: Yeah, because it, there's actually if you want to do software development on ARM sixty four, there is hardly anything available in the in the market to do uh, uh, compilations on. Uh, Cross compiling is a pain. It doesn't it doesn't really work very well. So mm. this is also one of the first systems. I mean, if you go to uh, thirty two or eighty cores, that are excellent uh, systems for uh, for not even ARM. Uh, uh, empire um, um, developments, but also for for other device development for very very low end devices.
1: Okay, and um, finally one thing you, you I think you sort of said to me uh, previously, and I think it's uh, very important. Yeah, it's just the CPU is not important. You need a, a lot more around it, and just sort of explain to our listeners what you meant by that.
2: Yeah well what what i said if you uh, if you if you stick to a, a how i say just a kind of a OEM kernel you know, or or what it is a kernel that's being maintained by a silicon vendor then you don't really have the, the the link to the to the to, to the major operating systems. Uh, Ubuntu is one of them. It's very popular in the in the prototyping world. Everybody's using Ubuntu, and that means you're also missing out on the on the on the ecosystems that are supported by Ubuntu. Um, now we see that uh, NVIDIA is uh, moving also to uh, ARM uh, um, ARM drivers and is verifying CUDA on these things. So it is much more easy to hook onto uh, ecosystems uh, if, if you have some kind of uh, bias extraction and uh, you can run a normal, normal or standard uh, generic operating systems. Okay.
1: Well, Hank, thank you very much and uh, uh, good luck with uh, the, the new product launch. Thank you. Now let's go to the Millbrook proving ground where, as I mentioned at the beginning, I talked to Conjure, about the development of the HMI in an all-new electric concept car called Aura. Hello, so I'm here with Chris Tingley, uh, co-founder and CTO of Conjure, which is a design innovation consultancy. Hi, Chris. Hello, lovely to meet you. So um, I wanted to uh, uh, know you've you've got this concept car here at uh, the Connected Automated Mobility Conference in Millbrook. And uh, tell me just about uh, what the concept is and how you've developed it you know, starting right from, from the base architecture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Aura concept vehicle um, is a car that four British companies have been working um, as part of a consortium to build um, started a- approximately a year ago. Um, our involvement in the project has been very specifically around the driver information and in HMI systems. Um, we have built the um, uh, the the single compute unit um, from NXP that we use, which integrates with the rest of the the, the vehicle and, and body systems. It's an IMX8. It's yeah. an IMX8, yes. Um, and we are one of the fir- very first vehicles, um, you know, really in the world to be running Android Automotive OS as well. Um, and we really wanted to sort of push the capabilities of the hardware and that software software platform to understand, you know, what it is that we can do with that. You know, we work as a consultancy with, with OEMs and tier ones that, that want to know how they can push this technology and what they can do with it, what interesting things. Um, so it's really important for us to be, you know, on top of that and understand um, really in detail what, what we can and can't do.
1: And uh, some of the interesting things you've done here as an as, um, innovation consultancy is uh, you've integrated... Uh, uh, the information system into the steering wheel, yeah. and yes. that sort of uh, changes uh, with, with obviously the accelerator, yes. uh, to where, so that as the wheel turns. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, so we've got we've got a no, no, number of kind of novel approaches to HMI, which it's been the first time that we've been able to try this out on our own vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when we when we work with our clients, you know, we're we're very much beholden to what they they would like, but this is very much our vision. Um, but exactly as you mentioned, you know, one of one of the elements is a, a circular display mounted in the centre of the wheel. Wheel, which obviously it moves with the wheel but then what we do is we level that in software um, so we we have a you know very precise um, uh, uh, rotation sensor attached to the, to, the steering wheel column um, and we use that to to, to level the, the display in software um, and then there's a, another uh, other of integration points that we've we've done as well we use some sensors um, generally found on uh, f1 vehicles to to monitor airflow and, and aerodynamics um, and so with an array of those at the front of the vehicle we're able to analyze the aerodynamic performance of the vehicle in real time so one of the the goals of the vehicle was to make it um, to have sort of sustainability and efficiency at the the core of all the design elements Uh, and the software was one of those as well so you know how can we um, take that information provide it to the driver and allow them to adapt their driving style to 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 make the vehicle more performant either in in range um, or in speed you know and so create that connection between the the driver and the vehicle
1: Right uh, and uh, the other thing you you talked about is, is designed uh right from the start with a sort of cloud, connected mm-hmm. car architecture. So tell me the background, I think there's a, a standard I think you've based that on.
0: Yeah, so we were really keen from the beginning of the project to think about how we were going to, to deal with the data architecture. And we wanted to make sure that we had that sort of um, cloud first approach um, to, our, to our thinking. You know, we, we all know that the connected vehicles, um, uh, you know, is, is, is the way that the industry's going. And, and we've often found in the past that some of that connectivity is, has been quite slow, quite latent, maybe not all of the information there. And, and we wanted to make sure that the architecture that we put together was suitable, not only for the consumers of the vehicle, but also for us as engineers while we're building it as well. You know, Can we get instant access to that information? Um, and yes, we've, we've, we've tried to, to build that data architecture in line with the, the Android Automotive PAL, um, with other... Um, uh, with other consortiums that are, are thinking about data architecture, like Geneva, um and yeah, try to follow all those kind of best practices, you know, right from the word go.
1: Right, and um, so what's actually going to happen with this? It's a concept right now. Um, have you talked to any uh, OEMs? Uh, is anybody wanting to take this, or or are you going to sell your this particular HMI to specific uh, manufacturers?
0: Yeah, so we, obviously we've had a lot of conversation with different OEMs and tier ones. Very interested in in, in what we're doing. Um, this is a, a, a demonstrator concept. So the real the idea behind the four partners here is to to demonstrate our capabilities um, in the various areas that we've been in, involved in. Um, our business, Conjure, as a consultancy, is very much about helping OEMs and tier ones realize their their visions, specifically when it comes to HMI, um, user experience design, user interface design, um, and the implementation of that on on, on various different systems. And again, why I said, you know, we, we as, a, as, as an independent vendor, if you like, need to kind of understand the capabilities of the various different hardware and software platforms that are available um, to us and, and other OEMs.
1: Chris, thank you very much. Thank you. To end this episode, we look at energy harvesting and batteryless sensors for IoT, which is what EnOcean is focused on. The company's new CEO, Raoul Weigergangs, comes from a background in IoT and embedded systems, explains the quest for sustainable IoT. Raoul, hello, how are you?
3: doing good, myself?
1: Good, so um, we're here to talk about your company, um, specifically um, energy harvesting and and, uh, wireless sensors, which is one of the growth areas that you're seeing uh, for your company. Tell us a little. First of all, a little bit just about EnOcean. Um, yeah, you know, sort of. Just summarize uh, what you do.
3: Yeah, EnOcean is a, a technology provider uh, in the sweet spot of, on one hand, energy harvesting, so maintenance-free uh, devices, devices that power themselves with the energy around it, combined with IoT radios. Uh, we have Bluetooth, Zigbee, and EnOcean an uh, radio protocol devices that we have implemented. And the third leg that we're standing on from a technology point of view is everything related to the cloud. So those devices, these energy harvesting uh, sensors, they communicate up to a cloud to deposit the, the values of, of what they're sensing uh, there. And that entire pipeline of communication all the way up to the cloud is the third area of, uh, of our technology that we're standing on.
1: All right, good. So I mean, you're really addressing uh, the need for IoT applications, which require um, batteryless uh, sensors, for example, and um, yeah, you know, providing that data into uh, p- uh, companies' apps or or analytics uh, products.
3: Yes, exactly. It is um, um, most of our customers uh, or most of our products. They end up in commercial environments, so not so much in the, in the home, but commercial okay. environments. And if you deploy um, devices, smart devices in commercial environments, you know, there is, and you do that at scale, uh, you would need to double your IT department just by making them change batteries uh, all the time. And um, we 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 don't think that is a good idea. We also think batteries are uh, not very sustainable either. And for that reason, to be able to have these uh, IoT devices uh, that uh, that harvest the energy uh, around them to communicate and thereby being maintenance-free is, uh, is super important for that space of commercial um, uh, IoT implementations and that's also where we have our, uh, our, our foundation.
1: And just to sort of, you talked about the technology and the connectivity, so your, your focus is on Bluetooth, ZigBee and you have your own Inocean uh, protocol as well? That's correct and and sort of that sorry gone
3: yeah and those 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 radio protocols all three of them they communicate up to um, the access points that you typically find in an office environment uh, okay we already announced a, a strategic collaboration with uh, with Aruba which is a, a very sizable access point um, um, uh, player for the corporate uh, and business environment and there is uh, another one that you'll read off uh, fairly soon as well when we also announce them. Okay. Between the two of them, we cover more than fifty uh, percent of all access points for business environments, um, and we they have their they have our software blocks in their access points so that these sensors can automatically speak to the um, and to the cloud.
1: Okay. Now you're a newly appointed CEO, and um, this year, and um, you have a background in uh, IOT and, and semiconductors and embedded. Uh, so can you just uh, tell us your now vision for an ocean for the next uh, year, two years? where do you see yourself uh, really making a, a, a big impact?
3: Yeah so, so particularly filling the needs of these companies that are interested in, in the well-being and the health of their their employees, um, creating healthier environments in terms of uh, making sure that there is uh, enough um, oxygen in buildings, good ventilation taking place, um, but also enough lights on desks. So, so that that things become that office spaces and smart spaces become really optimal um, and, and productivity type of environments compared to, the, the old the old environments where it often was or too warm or too cold or too little light and so on and so forth the sensing elements uh, of that is a desk being used yes or no is it being typed on you can see that on these uh, on these sensors that we that we make um that's exactly what you need in order to determine if a desk is used or not so you can also help your employees back into the the office in a safe way and pro- probably much more productive way than it has ever been before as well
1: So smart buildings is your big opportunity.
3: Smart spaces, I would say. Smart spaces. The separation we make because we come out of the building automation space, which is still a very good space for us. But that's where you build technology that you tie into the building management systems, to the to the HVAC, um, to to lighting systems, and so on and so forth. Um, that business um, is there, and it is it is related to the structure of a building, but the smart spaces has little to do with the structure. It has to do with, with the desks, and it has to do with the chairs and the meeting rooms and the people. And um, they don't necessarily, or they don't tie in at all to the building management systems. They tie them the directly into the cloud where these values are, um, are um, collected and then uh, very compelling uh, various applications and software tools are, are created from.
1: well thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of this episode. That was Embedded Edge with Nitin, and I'm Nitin Dahad. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.